and welcome everyone to another edition of the John Kirkland Show. Welcome, welcome to those who are tuning in at the moment. We're actually live. A couple things I want to get into, it's just a lot here, um, whether it be boxing, uh, NCAA football, or just even <clears throat> just uh, the pandemic in sports. It's interesting because what right now, you got the NFL trying to figure out how they're going to start the season. You got the NBA uh, nailing down the details. I think they just figured everything out and still, still are. Boxing is still trying to figure it out. And college football. We're going to get to all those topics here shortly. But before we get to all that stuff, I wanted to talk about the pandemic and being safe. For everybody, everybody, all my listeners, everyone should be wearing their mask. Wash your hands, stay safe. Let's follow the guidelines because if we don't, people are going to get sick and we're not going to be able to enjoy where we are because everything is going to be on lockdown. So I encourage everybody, everybody who listens to my show, everybody, be safe. Wash your hands, wear your mask, follow the steps uh, that you have to take in order to be safe. Otherwise, we're going to go through another lockdown. So, you never want to confuse politics with the pandemic. I don't think that that makes any sense. The reason why I say that is because a lot of times, being a politician in, in politics, that stuff isn't going anywhere. Neither is this virus. But at the same time, I think we must educate ourselves, not just on the political side, but on the medical side as well, and how we can maybe diffuse the, the situation in terms of being healthy, in terms of, okay, well, if I follow the steps, if I wear my mask, if I, you know, take the necessary steps, not just to protect my family, but educate your children as well, I believe that, you know, that's a small percentage of those who decide to follow it's a small percentage that we can't contain this virus to some degree. So that's just my opinion on the on the pandemic and, and the pandemic in sports. I also want to get into starting with the NFL. And I think that um, in terms of the pandemic and how it's affected the sports, I will say this. Um, everyone has an option. Everyone has a choice. Money, sports, doing what you love has nothing to do with being healthy. And I think that when you decide for yourself as an athlete, no matter what sport you you play, when you decide, hey, you know what? I'd rather be healthy. I don't want to play. The the guidelines and the standards that the NFL is setting, I'm going to opt out. I'm not going to play. Now, the question becomes at that point, are you breaching your contract? How does that affect the contract? And is the team still on the hook to pay you in spite of the fact that you've already had your guarantees? So there's a lot of questions that I have that that are that are interesting in terms of this this pandemic. In the NFL, Cam Newton signs with the Patriots. What are my thoughts with that? I'm excited for Cam Newton. 
I'm excited for him because he gets a chance. And I think he's, he's, on, a ch- he's on a team that has more weapons than what he had in Carolina. And I think that with him joining the Patriots, they're going to teach him the Patriot way. He gets a one-year deal. And what that does is that allows him to show maybe some of the other teams that were interested in him that were iffy on maybe signing him. And so I believe with this opportunity that he's going to get in New England, I think it's going to allow him to um, boost up his value as arguably an elite quarterback. And he was a former MVP. So to be an MVP in this league, um, it's you, you got to be better than good at your position, especially at the quarterback position. And might I add, he led the team to a, a Super Bowl, even though they lost, but they still got there. So I think with Cam Newton's experience, I mean, you can't replace a Tom Brady. I'm never saying that he's going to fill those shoes. Obviously, he's not. But with what Cam brings to the Patriots is dynamics that they never had before in terms of running, in terms of passing, in terms of athleticism, in terms of, you know, short yardage, uh, being able to lean in there for for a touchdown and and throw and things like that. So there is no comparison, but I think Cam Newton brings a different side of football and a different side of uh, athleticism to the Patriots. So I wish him nothing but the best of luck, and I think Cam is going to do really well in New England if he can stay healthy. If he can stay healthy, I, I really do think that he's going to be okay. Now, there's going to be there's some notable games that's on slate to happen for September, and that's going to be Thursday night, Sunday night, uh, actually Thursday night football. It's going to be the Texans and Chiefs uh, on NBC at 520. Uh, my thoughts on that game is the Chiefs are coming off of a Super Bowl victory. What we're looking at is, is that what offseason changes and preseason, when you combine those two together, how well can the Chiefs play to say, hey, you know what, we're back on track and we're on our way for another Super Bowl and we're contending to repeat? That's going to be the interesting question. With the Texans, life after DeAndre Hopkins. So... What can they do to beat the Chiefs without arguably the top three wide receiver in the league? Those are questions we're going to find out on Thursday night. Sunday night, uh, actually it's going to be uh, Sunday night football, September 13th. That's going to be on NBC. It's going to be my Dallas Cowboys on the road. And they're going to take on the Los Angeles Rams. And that game can be seen also on NBC at 520. The thing about Dallas, I'm going to get into Dallas, is, is that's my team. It's one of my favorite. It's actually my favorite team, and it has been for over 20 years. The bottom line for Dallas is we've made huge strides, big changes. The question now becomes, can we get it done on the field? And that's, that, that's it. I mean, we can get whoever we want, but if we can't put the talent plus chemistry on the field, We're just going to be a team full of talent, no hope. When I look at the Rams, the Rams are in a rebuilding stage. I I don't really see uh, them competing 
right now in their division. However, I think that they're going to be pretty young addressing some of their issues in terms of position need. But I think they've invested a lot in Jared Goff, and I think that they're going to be all right. They're going to be all right. They're going to be all right. I don't have too many bad things to say about the Rams, but I think they do need, they do have a long way to go and a lot of work to do. Sunday night, and actually Monday night, uh, it's going to be Monday night football. It's going to be the Steelers on the road against the Giants. That game could be seen on ESPN at, at 7.15 Eastern, 4.15 Pacific. And this is just breaking news. The NFL is to shorten uh, preseason just two by two weeks. So instead of getting four preseason games, we're going to have two. And then that's it. So what does that mean? That means that some people are going to get cut really, really early. What it means is, is that it's going to be really tough to really put a roster together in terms of that. Because now you're, you're, your decision making is going to come a lot sooner than it would be if you had a full month. Let's get into the NBA. The NBA here. Uh, J.R. Smith signs with the Lakers. Is that a good move? Well, I think that losing Avery Bradley, uh, I think it's it's a band-aid. I don't know if it solves the problem. It's a band-aid. I think J.R. Smith giving the opportunity to the Lakers, I think he has a lot to prove. He's been out the league for a little bit, so he has a lot to prove um, in, when it comes down to the biggest games. He's been in the finals many times. He's won at the finals. He has a lot of experience. And I believe that's why the Lakers signed him. Okay, here we go. Q&A. What are my thoughts on the NBA restart? And are you all in for players opting out for the season? That's a good question. Um, My thoughts on the NBA restart. I'm okay with the restart. But I think there comes a point in time where there needs to be some type of foundation in terms of how do the players stay safe throughout the season. And at that point, I'm looking at it to where some good players are opting out, saying, hey, I'd rather be healthy than to play this season. I could possibly wait until next season. To me, the NBA needs the players just as much as the players need the NBA. And I think between the the NBA Players Association and the league, I think we got to figure out what are the steps that we need to take prior to restarting the season. It looks like they've already figured it out. But I think that now we're starting to see people come out and say, hey, I got coronavirus. Hey, I got the virus. So to me, I think that I'm all for people opting out. I believe that you have to do what's best for you. I think you have to do everything you can to protect yourself. And if you decide that opting out is what's best for you and your family, I 100% support that. It's your career, it's your life, it's your health. I do not disagree with any player who decides to do that. But the restarting, yes, I would want the NBA to restart because I believe that we owe it to the fans and the fans owe it to us, so we need to come together and and figure this thing out and see what we can do to restart the game, to restart the season. And I think that there's protocols and there's steps that, you know, we can take to figure this thing out. Moving on to boxing. Right now, I believe that this is going to be set, but this is just what they're two, both Deontay Wilder's camp, Fury's camp, for the trilogy, I believe that they're going to, they're targeting for their fight December 19th. They're going to be targeting for that, for that date. 
Now, a question was brought to my attention that do I think Deontay Wilder should have took this fight versus maybe stepping back and waiting on the winner of Joshua Fury? Um, absolutely not. Um, I believe, and I'm going to tell you why. Because number one, Deontay Wilder is a competitor. If you've watched any fight he's ever fought in his career, he, he's a competitor. So why would he sit back after taking a loss that he felt he shouldn't have lost in the first place? And there's absolutely no excuse for it. Why would he step to the side and not prove that he's the best in the world at the heavyweight division and that he should be uh, the champion? He should be the champion. And I believe that uh, Wilder will unify at some point and he will be the undisputed champion of the world, period. I believe that. I believe that. And I think what we're going to see this time around, as I said in the previous podcast, is that the Wilder that we're going to see is a Wilder that understands how good Tyson Fury is, understands what he has to do to beat Tyson Fury. He gets it. I do believe that. And I believe that this man is going to bounce back. He's going to be in the best shape of his life. And I do believe Tyson Fury is in trouble. I do. I, I believe that. And I'm not taking anything away from uh, Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury won fair and square. There's no doubt about it. He did his thing. But I believe that redemption is near. And I believe Deontay Wilder will get him in the third fight. That is my prediction as far as that. So December 19th is the targeting date. So stay tuned for more details on that fight. But that's what I'm hearing right now. I'm also hearing that Tiafimo Lopez and Lomachenko in a unification bout is set for September 19th. Again, all boxing fans letting you know now, Tiafimo is only champion for the foreseeable meantime. Because after September 19th, it's not going to happen. We're going to be looking at the, the unified world champion, Lomachenko. I'm just letting you know. I, I understand, you know, some may say, oh, John's a hater, John's this. I, I'm not hating. But I understand how good Lomachenko is. And again, I, I've said this before, that this is a business. This is a business. And you have to understand, there's a lot involved in this business. So when you take, when you look at it from that standpoint, do you think, that these promoters can take a loss at this moment in time, especially top rank. Top rank cannot take a loss with Lomachenko. That's their biggest fight besides Bud Crawford. So, and then if you're talking about in the future, maybe taking on a Gervonta Davis or, or, or you know, somebody, you know, of, of uh, status and talent, I just don't think you can even argue about the money if you lost. Right now, Javante Davis is undefeated. He's never lost a fight. So, and he's under Mayweather Promotions, which is, they call themselves the A-side. So the A-side, so far, I've always seen them. They win. So, again, I think Tiafimo Lopez, uh, he won fair and square his last fight. He beat Richard Cromie. And, and I didn't think Lopez could do it, but he did it. He proved me wrong. I'll give him some credit there. But I think that at this particular time, he's taken on fighting off more than maybe he can chew at this point. I'm not saying don't take this fight because this is a career fight for him, for sure. 
Absolutely. Would I have taken the fight? Yes. Yes. I would have taken the fight. For sure. But I believe that... Is he ready for Lomachenko? Absolutely not. I don't think so. I don't think so. Just because you beat a world champion doesn't mean you can beat another great world champion. I don't I don't think that that's the way it works. I believe in tune-up fights. I believe that there should be a, a, a fight in between the championship matches in terms of, okay, so let's say Tiafimo, he fights Richard Cromie, which he did. He won the title, but then I think he needs a tune-up fight before Lomachenko. Because if you look at the pandemic again, there's a long layoff. So... Those things make a difference in terms of the consistency of fighting. So instead of fighting twice a year, you're not going to fight twice this year. You're only going to fight once. And then you also got to look at the fact that, okay, so let's say he loses. Is there a rematch clause? So if he loses and there's a rematch clause, what does that mean for uh, Lomachenko? What does that mean for um, Javante Davis in terms of them setting that fight up? Because what happens is, is that the champion comes in and then he loses the fight, he automatically gets a rematch clause. Automatically, he can push that rematch clause from the date that you lost. So you get 30 days to uh, say, hey, I want a rematch. Within that 30-day period, you can say, hey, I want a rematch. And who's to say that that may prolong the fight that, you know, the whole world's been wanting to see. So what does that mean for Javante Davis? Does that mean that he move on or does he wait or what does he does? So I think it's it's going to come down in those situations what makes business sense, you know, in this in this point. Um, moving on to college football. Now, I, I I used to get into these debates, you know, with my friends, and, and I tell them all the time. It's all about your recruiting class. It's all about you know the program, the coach, bringing in talent. So I'm going to read you the top. The top 10, and you're not going to believe this, the top 10 recruiting classes right now in the country. Number one is the Georgia Bulldogs. Two is the Alabama Crimson Tide. Uh, Clemson Tigers, LSU Tigers, Ohio State, Texas A&M, Auburn Tigers, Florida Gators, Texas Longhorns, and Tennessee Volunteers, which is a, a surprise. But Coach Pruitt, has really turned things around in Tennessee. So that program has really, really brought in some really good talent and got some good transfers. Now, Clemson Tigers, what do I think? I I think with Clemson, I think that they got their quarterback, um, who I think is going to go to the NFL. This is last year. But I think Clemson is going to be right back in there. They're going to be right back in there. I think they're going to be in the college football playoff for sure. Um, I'd be surprised if they're not. But when you talk about the top four, I, I, I would even go as far as saying this. This is this is my prediction as far as the top four. I would say number one would be LSU. I think LSU is going to get in there. That's one. Uh, number two, I think Ohio State's going to be in there just because they have way too much talent. And they always dominate the Big Ten. So they, they, I, I just don't see them not making it. When you talk about third, the third team, I would I would have to say the third team. I would have to say maybe the Oregon Ducks. 
maybe the Oregon Ducks gets gets in there. Maybe they get the third slot. The reason why I say Georgia's not in there is only because of the fact that it's going to be, it's going to come down to a couple of questions for them. Is that can they beat Alabama? Can they beat LSU Tigers? Can they beat Auburn Tigers? And can they beat the Tennessee Volunteers or the Florida Gators? So you're talking about seven of the top ten teams right now with the top recruiting classes. Can any one of those teams fall into the top four? Because only the top four make it in terms of the college football playoff. So those are those are those are questions that will be answered. Uh, I just wanted to give you guys a fun fact. States that have historically had the highest percentage of their high school football players recruited by a Division I school is Florida, Georgia, Louisiana, Maryland, and South Carolina. So what that means is that history has shown that all the real talent besides, I would say, I would say Texas is in there. I would say they're probably number six in terms of in terms of that because Texas is a football state so I would say Texas but that's where all the real talent is that's where all the real talent is it's those states those states produce raw talent you know if you talk about Florida you're talking about maybe the AJ Greens you know you're talking about uh, looking at Georgia you're talking about the Todd Gurley's you got Texas in there. Texas has brought in uh, a lot of great kids. Maryland, uh, LSU, uh, just the state of Louisiana has just incredible talent. But we're going to move forward. We're going to move forward. And I wanted to get into some of these political aspects and, and, and what I've seen from what's going on in, in society. I wanted to use my last few minutes and kind of touch on some of these topics. Number one, I want to applaud everyone for standing up for what they believe in, getting involved in these protests, um, just, just, just fighting the good fight to the best of your ability. But I want people to understand this. It's not about black, white, or any of that. It's not about that. If you, if you think about it, it was never about that before Trump got in office. These things were not happening. And I'm not saying racism didn't exist. But what I'm saying is, is that we didn't have to fight like this, whether it was to get along, whether it was just to get in your car and drive, go where you got to go. This thing has been out of hand. And if you think about what Trump has pushed in terms of the Hitler, these are like back in the old days. This is stuff that we read upon, you know, as kids, history books. So he brought history back. You know, I haven't heard white power and, and God knows when. And that's because it didn't exist to me. When you talk about racism, how do you come into this country and you have the nerve to be a racist when you say, well, we got to represent the flag. Justice for all. So when you talk about justice and you talk about freedom and you talk about the Constitution, all these things represent what? It represents everybody no matter what your your nationality is. And so I think that's what we're talking about here is, is people put color on it and not standing standing by what it is that we represent every single day, especially when you think about 
the armed forces and what they do and how they go out there and they fight for us and they fight for this country and they put their life on the line every single day. When you think about the Army, what do you see? You see different nationalities. You see white. You see black. You see all these different, different aspects of nationality. So I think ignorance is what says, okay, well, it's about white people. It's about black people. It's about... To me, I don't see it that way. I think in terms of culturally, in terms of... Um, ethnicity, I think we all make the United States what it is today. And I think without freedom, without unity, the United States all over, we're going to be going through this. And in terms of these cops shooting us, and and I'm a proud black man myself. So at the end of the day, it's like when I see things like this on the news, it's very disturbing to me. And of course, it affects the black culture and the black community. And if anybody thought we were not going to stand up, they're out of their minds. The, the reality of it is, is this, is that there has to be steps for law enforcement to take in order to pull their guns out, if deemed necessary. And so far, studies have shown they have never had to do that, and it was never necessary. When you talk about shooting Trayvon Martin, talking about shooting some of these um, um, young kids that died for what? They died for what? No one can ever answer that question. What did they die for? You know, I, I keep hearing things like one person died over a candy bar. One person died over a cell phone. One person died over this. My question is this to law enforcement. When you're pulling your gun out, are you positive that person has a gun? Are you positive that person was a legit threat for you to pull your gun out. Because what we've seen right now is that every time you pull your gun out, guess what happens? Guess what happens? There's no gun to be found on the person you shot. Meanwhile, you're saying, hey, he had a gun. How? When all it was was a cell phone. You're pulling people over and shooting them. What right do you have to do that when you're pulling a guy over for a broken taillight or issuing them a ticket? It makes no sense. It makes no sense. So right now, with all the violence going on right now, all police departments in all 50 states, you have to take responsibility and say, as law enforcement, we are to serve and protect. And if that's your job, there's nothing in those two elements of serve and protect means shooting black men. I think we're confused in terms of you, the inability to protect us and protect these, protect the community. This is ridiculous. And the only thing that I've heard so far of what police officers and what the police departments have said is, we have to do more training. We have to be trained. No, 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 no. Murder is murder. I don't care how you slice it. And anytime that you pull your gun out, without probable cause or without reason and you use your gun what needs to happen is you need to go to jail because I'm going to tell you something else ladies and gentlemen if the roles were reversed we're going to jail right away there ain't no doubt about it murder is murder it doesn't matter how you cut it and so I disagree with the approach that law enforcement is taking It's not about trying to unify. It's about understanding what's going on and saying, hey, 
We have to do a better job. We have to come up with guidelines that will be effective in terms of the person, male or female, in terms of you pulling out your gun. The physical force that you guys use, a knee in someone's back, on somebody's face, their neck, this is ridiculous. And you see nothing but white folks doing this. This is ridiculous. But again, it all goes back to what Trump has been preaching. And that's why law enforcement feels it's okay to do that. So what I'm going to say before I close my show, I'm going to say this. We have to vote, ladies and gentlemen, to get this man out of here. We have to vote because all he does is promote violence. All he does is promote the nonsense that we've been dealing with for the past four years. We need to get him out. The only way we can get him out is vote. That's what we have to do. Everybody, let's vote. Let's get him out of here. The sooner, the better. Let's get him out. I want to thank everyone who took the time out to listen to my show. I hope we we got something out of this. Uh, I wanted to switch it up. I wanted to give you a little bit of sports, a little bit of uh, my opinion on on certain things, but I also wanted to talk about what's going on in society and what's going on in the world today because I feel like, you know, um, the pandemic, what's going on in society, I think this is real. You know, people are losing their jobs, losing their homes, and so I just wanted to touch on it and just say, hey, I'm proud of our, our, I'm proud of what we're doing. I'm proud of what everyone's doing in terms of standing up and fighting for our rights and fighting for, you know, communities all over Chicago, Los Angeles, Sacramento, I mean, the list goes on, uh, Minnesota, I mean, fighting for the community. I don't think it's about violence. I just think about we're just not going to continue to keep being brutalized out here in these streets. And I think that's what um, a lot of these uh, people don't understand. A lot of these law enforcement and governments, they don't understand. We're not trying to harm anybody, but we're not going to let you harm us. And I think that's what the, the, the message that we're sending. So hopefully things get better. I hope I don't want to see any of us, you know, young black men die. Um, I think we have to be uh, more careful when we're out here in these streets. Um, and I just, again, as a community, I'm just proud that everyone is, is fighting in every city. Every city, every state, everybody's out there. We're marching. Philadelphia, everybody's marching. And I'm, I'm proud to see that because that's what it's all about. It's all about uh, love and peace and, and, you know, sticking with your community. Thank you for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen. And I will, I would love to uh, give you another show uh, next week. We'll see you next week.